everyone, and welcome to the Total Athlete Podcast brought to you by Athletes in Action. For more information on how you can learn about developing the total athlete in Canada, visit athletesinaction.ca, and in the United States, visit athletesinaction.org. I'm your host, Herbie Kuhn. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Total Athlete Podcast brought to you by Athletes in Action. For more information on how you can learn about developing the total athlete in Canada, visit athletesinaction.ca and the United States. Be sure to visit athletesinaction.org. I'm your host, Herbie Kuhn. And our guest today is a young man who year by year is solidifying his stamp on professional football. He's a graduate of Edinburgh University in Pennsylvania, and he has spent time on the rosters of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Arizona Rattlers, the Hartford Colonials, the Buffalo Bills, the Sacramento Mountain Lions, and the Orlando Predators. All of those prior to graduating to the CFL, the Canadian Football League, where Trevor is now a nine-year veteran with the Toronto Argonauts, the Ottawa Red Blacks, and currently the QB, the starting QB for the Edmonton football team. This nine-year CFL vet is a two-time Grey Cup champion. He's been an East Division All-Star, and the list goes on and on. More importantly than all of that, though, he and his wife Kaylee have been married for nearly six years, and they have two sons who bring them daily delight and challenges, the, the ebbs and flows of learning to be parents, TJ and Trace. He loves his wife, he loves his boys, and he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Trevor, it's a privilege to welcome you to the Total Athlete Podcast. Man, honor is all mine. Uh, like I said just a few minutes ago, it's just great to, great to see you again and miss those Herbie hugs. And uh, yeah, thanks for having <laughs> me on, man. Glad to be here. It's a great privilege to have you as part of our Total Athlete podcast today, Trevor, and I miss those Trevor hugs as well. I'm not going to go into a debate about who gives firmer hugs, but let's just say we don't mess around when it comes to the hug department. And whenever <laughs> this pandemic stuff is, a, is an unpleasant memory, it's going to be a great big hug, that's for sure. Trevor, I want to start off with a couple of key questions here, which are really going to help set the tone for the rest of this interview. Where are you mm -hmm. from and what's your favorite food? Over to you. Hey, I don't know if I'm supposed to answer this because of where I'm from. Uh, I, I grew up in Waldo, Ohio, which Waldo, Ohio is famous for fried bologna sandwiches, uh, bologna cheese, sweet pickles and onions. And uh, the fried bologna is about this thick. And I'll tell you, it's really good. Hold, hold on a second. I just want to make sure we've got this straight. Fried bologna sandwiches. For those of us who aren't from Waldo, Ohio, can you give us a bit of a description here, please? I mean, it's, it looks like a super thick hamburger, but it's actually bologna. And I'll tell you, the sweet pickles are to die for, but to say that'd be my favorite food would be lying. I uh, recently became a nutritionist. I really, really am meticulous about the, what I put in my body and how I treat uh, God's body that he gave me. And um, so to call it my favorite food uh, would be a, a lie, but to say that's not a good cheat meal would also be a lot. So. <laughs> you, you told us it's food to die for. It might be food that would cause you to die as well if you had too much of it, no <laughs> doubt about it. Clog those arteries a little bit, but darn it tastes good. So what is your favorite food then, Trevor, with the nutritionist element blended in? What's your favorite food? What's your go-to right now? I'll tell you, anything with, 
sweet potatoes are kind of like my thing right now because it's almost like you can add to it anything with it and it makes it sweeter. It's a complex carbohydrate, which means it has vitamins and minerals and things in it, uh, along with the carbs. And carbs is the first thing your brain needs for functioning. And um, and uh, and it just adds a good little element. So but I mean, I'm a I'm a chicken guy. I'm a vegetable guy. But uh, yeah, I think I'd have to go with sweet potatoes. There you go. Sweet potato fries, sweet potato, whatever the case may be. That sounds pretty mm-hmm. good to me. Now, listen, being born and raised in Waldo, Ohio, that part of the United States, your upbringing, your family structure. Can you talk to us about a little bit about that being raised, who you are, how that molded your character, that that type of thing? How did that form who Trevor is today? Yeah, great question. Uh, my parents are both. Uh, they're small business owners. My mom owns a dance studio, does every type of dance there is, tap, ballet, baton, gymnastics, swing, um, everything, you know, the, every type of dance there is, she does it. And uh, so she owns her own small business and my dad owns a small business. He's got, you know, two employees and he's a construction worker. Both my parents, very blue collar. Um, my dad's like a, what I like to call solar powered. If the sun's out, he's working. And as soon as the sun's down, he's, <laughs> he's inside and ready to go, but he's, uh, you know, they're both blue collar and I've kind of been raised that way. And so I think, uh, I've kind of inherited, you know, their grinder mentality, their grinder mindset and, uh, you know, valuing people. And, you know, I had great examples right in my household growing up of, of what it looked like to be a servant leader. That is fantastic. Some of those dance moves that your mom taught over the over the years, have those ever been implemented while you're trying to escape when the pockets collapsing around you as a quarterback by any chance? <laughs> she likes to take she likes to take credit for it because I always used to get compliments coming out of high school on my footwork. I said, wow, Trevor's footwork is really sound. And she's like, it's those dance lessons. It's the dance lessons. And so she likes to take a little credit for it. But I'd like that to think the, it's my ladder work, my training and stuff, but hey, maybe I'm sure it's a probably a combination of the two of them. So that grind mentality that you just spoke of, the blue collar work ethic from two parents who have had two successful their own independent businesses, that upbringing was faith, was church a part of that for you growing up in Waldo with your parents? Talk to us a little bit about that, please. Yeah, you know, growing up... Uh, uh, we went to church, but not not as much as uh, I'd be proud to say. Um, you know, I think my my walk with Christ really heightened when I got to college uh, with my Bible study leaders, Nathan and Sandy Everhart. And uh, Nathan Everhart just passed a month and a half ago. He's a mentor of mine, you know, tough. But if I know anybody that, that follow the Bible to the T, um, that man was it. And um, was tough, you know, losing him, but um, mm. he's just one of those guys that's always going to leave a lasting memory on you. And, you know, something that he said a while back was uh, he had a job as a school nurse and uh, helping out kids. And, you know, somebody was like, why do you do this, Nate? You know, you don't, I don't mean to get sidetracked here, but uh, he said, why do you do this, Nathan? Uh, you don't really make a lot. And he goes, but I make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, he's that kind of a guy. And, um, they kind of mentored me in terms of helping me become, show me who Christ was without, um, you know, telling me I was wrong or, you know, telling me, you know, the things I thought were wrong. They were just great teachers and I'm, uh, I'm thankful for them. And, you know, they really showed me the way. And since then, it's been really cool because my parents go to church every Sunday. Now uh, we go to church and uh, it's, it's just amazing to kind of see how God works and see the, how, how you can even, you know, help your parents in a way. And so, you know, talking to my parents about Jesus and 
um, you know, going to a different church now than when we did when we grew up, you know, it's about like finding the best place that you can serve Christ the most. And that's, what's also been great about my parents is they've been adaptable and pliable throughout their lives and the way they learn the way they, um, we've kind of reached toward Christ, you know, reaching further and further and further as the years go on. So it would be accurate to say there was a faith foundation there in your upbringing, but it wasn't until you got to college at Edinburgh that the influence of these individuals really made a difference and you embrace Christ as your own. And what really speaks to me from what you've just shared, Trevor, is now the fact that that faith influence that Nate and Sandy demonstrated to you and help, helping you become a Christian is now multi-generational spillover. Not simply mm. you, but it's affecting the older generation, <laughs> your parents, as well as your boys as well. Talk to us about how crucial that is. And, and could you ever have envisioned something like that when you showed up as a, as a freshman at Edinburgh years ago? You know, I think I just didn't set all the right things, you know, with, with my faith, but uh, I was the kind of guy in high school that I wouldn't cuss on Fridays because I, I think gospel, God would help me throw for more yards or I'd, I'd shoot the ball better on Friday nights. You know, I had a very, it was a genie in a bottle, you know, approach for me. And, uh, I just had a very misconstrued view of who Christ was. You know, I was the kid that right next to my mom in church when we grew up said, how long do we have left? Yeah. And I was just the best time. It was like the longest time before we had to go to church the next week. And when we stepped into college, no, I never would have envisioned that, but it just goes to show that you can't connect the dots looking forward, but you always can looking backwards. And that's stealing a quote from Steve jobs. But uh, when you look forward, it was like, man, why am I not going to a division one school? Why am I not going to this school or why am I going to Edinburgh? Really? Like, but when I look back, that's where God placed me because that's where he needed me to have the right mentors to approach him, which is far, far more important than any amount of yards or uh, award or, you know, anything that I could do in that regard, because our souls are going to go to heaven and, you know, you have feelings of love and justice and those things you, you that means you have a soul. So your yeah. soul is going to go somewhere when you die and eternity is a heck of a long time. And so I wanted to seek that out for myself. And when I seek that out for myself, I found Jesus. Fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. Folks, you're listening to the total athlete podcast brought to you by athletes in action. And our guest today is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton football team of the Canadian football league. Trevor, when you talk about the total athlete, you have just unpacked for us a little bit about the spiritual component of your journey. But when you look at a total athlete, there are many different components. There is the physical element of being an athlete. There's the emotional element, physical fitness, mental fitness, social fitness, and spiritual fitness comprise mm -hmm. the total athlete. I want to turn the calendar back about a decade or so now to this 2011-2012 stretch where Trevor Harris, the total athlete, was put to the test, was put to the test. Everything from physically to emotionally, perseverance, your faith was all put to the test. Unpack that for us a little bit, your transition going from one league to another team, to another tryout, to another contract, and then eventually ending up in the CFL. Can you give us a, a bit of a Coles Notes version of that? And more specifically, what difference did Christ make in keeping you somewhat level-headed at least throughout that whole journey? 
Yeah, uh, man, I'll try and uh, make this brief. But uh, in 2009, um, when I had NFL scouts come to Edinburgh, uh, my coach called me to tell me that and I hung up on him because I thought he was joking. I was like, I have a Calc 3 test, coach. Like, I don't have time for this. You know, I'll joke with you later on. Yeah, and I get a text message from him. He's like, hey, Trevor, I'm serious. The Eagles and Bills are here to see you. And I was like, whoa. And so that became a reality. I was like, man, I was like, I really could go play in the NFL. And, you know, my dream growing up was, when I started falling in love with the game of football when I was in high school was playing the NFL and, you know, here it was opportunity. And I got to sign an NFL contract from a division two school against all the odds. And so I walked in there and I was like, man, my whole last, you know, high school and college, it's been Trevor's the man, you know, three-year starter in high school, football, basketball, baseball. I was all state in football. I was all state in basketball. And I go to college four-year starter and, you know, from the grace of God and having tremendous teammates and coaches, you know, broke a lot of records and all these things. I'm not saying that to gloat. I'm saying that to, to say that I had a mindset of, I was the man. And so when I went to the the NFL, I was like, I'm going to be the man. And when I got released, I was like, I was like, hold up a second. You guys don't want me. And mm. I had a lot of pride and, mm. and my ego was getting in the way. And so again, can't connect the dots looking forward. But looking back, I know exactly why God mm. had that happen, because I needed some humility. I needed some perspective. And then from there, I went through the washing machine like you just listed, you know, from Jacksonville. I went back and I started coaching high school football, waiting on a call, get a call from the Seahawks week 10. And then all for Matt Hasselbeck to fracture his left thumb on a Sunday game where I was sitting in a hotel waiting to sign my contract on Tuesday to be with Seattle and they're like, hey, sorry, we got to sign a veteran now because Matt has a fractured thumb. We got to send you home, go play arena football and then to the UFL. And then the lockout was happening. I get a call from the Bills and I'm on I'm on my way to the airport to fly up to go see the Bills. And they're like, hey, because of rules of the lockout, you can't report till August 9th. Uh, we'll call you August 8th and we'll bring you up. And I was like, man, and they ended up not calling and then go back to the arena league, back to the UFL. And and then I get a coaching job offer. Right. From my alma mater. And they said, hey, we want you to be the offensive coordinator. Why don't you come up and be the old coordinator here? My brother had two years of eligibility left. And I was like, man, I could go be the O coordinator, my brother. Wow. And, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Job, job security. Job yep. security. You're, you're talking yeah. an opportunity here where you've been, as you've just articulated, through the washing machine, this opportunity in here, out here, and your alma mater calls and says, we're going to offer you the job as the OC, and your brother, your younger brother, is now the starting quarterback, which offers not only that family connection opportunity, but job security as well, for a mm -hmm. time at least. What's the temptation, yeah. Trevor? What's the temptation that's oh, going through your head at this it time? Was, yeah, it was huge because they even had a succession plan for me to be the next head coach. And, you know, getting a, like a thought like that was like, man, I could really be the next head coach at my alma mater. And I thought, you know, I've learned a lot, you know, through these two years. Maybe that's why I've done this. And I accepted the position and I was like, I'm going to go be the OC. And as I drove home from Orlando, when there was a player strike on, uh, they thought there was going to be a player strike for the first game in Orlando in the AFL. They signed a replacement team. We're standing outside of Amway Center in Orlando, watching these kids walk in with holding their pads wow and they walk in to play the game and they were like we're not having you guys play tonight because we think you guys are going to strike on the field and i'm like this pro football stuff ain't for me so i drive home i accept the job and the true story of it is is i could not sleep 
And the spirit was just so loud in my head that I had a, I had a contract offer from the Toronto Argonauts on the table and this coaching offer. I took the coaching job and God wouldn't let me sleep. He just kept ringing in my ear. I need you to keep playing. I need you to keep playing. So I listened. And here we are nine years later. And, you know, as soon as I went up to the, uh, the Canadian football league, I almost left in training camp because I got a call from my sister said, Hey, mom and dad are getting life lighted. They got a motorcycle accident. Right. And my dad fractured his neck and back, had 75 stitches in his face. My mom, uh, compound ankle fracture, broken orbital bone, um, multiple, multiple injuries for both of them. And I didn't know if they were going to live. And so I called him and said, hey, guys, football is not that important. I'm coming home. And all my dad could muster out at that time was, if you come home, I'm going to make your face look like mine. And he had 75 <laughs> stitches in his face. And so... I said, fine. That was all the conviction I needed from a guy that used to box prisoners for fun on Tuesday nights. And um, I was like, I'm not going to mess with this dude. So uh, I just and they just said, your dream is our dream, too. So don't take this from us. And so I carried on and and listened to the Lord. And, and, you know, here we are nine years later and speaking with one of my great friends in this world. That journey is it's a phrase that gets thrown around frequently, but I think it's really appropriate. This is the kind of stuff the movies are made of, I believe. <laughs> uh, so many opportunities, so many potential success opportunities, so many setbacks and the perseverance and the way your faith and listening to Christ and listening to the Holy Spirit helped direct you through all of those opportunities, through the disappointments. And now here you are, in the Canadian Football League, and this last year has been unprecedented, to say the least. Losing yeah. the entire 2020 season due to our global pandemic, and here we are hopeful for a 2021 season, which has already been announced, is going to be a truncated season. Again, I come back to you with this. In this season of waiting, and isn't that what the faith journey is so much about sometimes, is the waiting? In this season of waiting, what difference does Christ make to you between being hopeful and hurting all the time? You know, I think that if you can draw back on past experiences, and I think anybody listening to this podcast right now, just think back to the tough times in your life and, and then fast forward to why you had to go through those things. Mm -hmm. I went through heartbreak of my wife and I, when we, when we dated in high school for two and a half years, we split up and I was devastated and I could never understand why we ended up getting back together and getting married but when I went through that I was able to help one of my best friends that was going through the same thing that wasn't quite as mentally stable and so when I was going through that I was like I don't know why God would ever do this to me but then when my friend was going through it I was able to talk through him exactly how I felt and I was able to kind of say like that's why I had to go through that and sure enough, having the faith and being able to activate that faith and say, God, I trust you no matter what happens. And so right now, knowing what everybody's going through, everybody's going through a tough time and it's not unique. We're all in this together. But if we can just have the faith, I think when you have faith, it activates the miracles. And it's mm -hmm. demonstrated very clearly in the gospel several times. Your faith has made you well. Yes. It doesn't say... It doesn't say the plan has made you well. Your faith has made yeah. you well. Sometimes yeah. demons can only be cast out by faith. It can, miracles can only be activated by faith. Yes. And so if we can just have that faith. Just say, God, I trust you. Even if you don't, just say it out loud 
and try and believe that every single day. And eventually that faith is going to activate the miracle. You just have to believe that and truly trust God. And for those of us up here in Canada, our faith is hoping that the miracle of a season beginning at the beginning of August is going to take place. That is the goal. That's the miracle we're looking for here for the first CFL football in a year and a half. I'd like to switch gears a little bit here, Trevor, <clears throat> to the your approach to both nutrition and physical fitness. Now, many of the talents and skills that are on display whenever you step onto the gridiron week after week are God-given natural talents. But being able to put those into practice with consistency week after week month after month, year after year, requires a plan. It requires a regimen and it requires a specific approach. For the aspiring professional athlete listening to this podcast here today, who dreams of being a pro football player or a pro athlete in any sport, but the temptation from the world is do whatever you want with your body. You know what? Just go ahead. If it feels good, go ahead and do it. What's your approach, especially as a quarterback? I mean, you get a punishment out there. You get a lot of punishment as a quarterback and as a pro athlete. What's your approach to nutrition and physical fitness that has helped keep you strong year after year as a, as a pro QB? Yeah. You know, um, I'm a firm believer in uh, it. Life's about the aggregate of marginal gains. And all that means is oh, I'll say that again, please. Life is, about the, life is about the, the aggregate of marginal gains. And wow. I think that it, all I'm saying by that is, the small, the small changes you can make and withstand them over a long period of time make a, long, a huge difference. Amen. Basically, small changes over a long period of time make a huge difference. And so for me, it's about how can you get the momentum of your day started? And to me, one of those answers is a morning routine. And having a morning routine, if when I wake up, uh, right now, my morning routine, I wake up and I do 15 perfect push-ups. I do a 30-second plank. I do a 15-second plank each side. I do 60 little uh, minor jumps, you know, 20 with my toes in, toes, toes neutral, toes everted. And then I'll do, uh, you know, uh, 10 pistol squats, like pistol, like pulse squats each leg. Yeah. I take a cold shower. I read 10 pages in a uh, book that helps me grow. I go outside. I sit on my front porch, read my morning devotion. And then I eat my quick breakfast and then I do my posture workout. So boom. And on top of that, I have an accountability partner. And so my accountability partner is my brother. And so after I get done with that, I text him that I'm done with it through this little code that we have. And if he texts me and I don't text him that back, you know, it's, I, I feel bad. And yeah. I, I get my day started by doing that and yeah. by doing those sorts of things and reading my devotion and thinking about five things I'm grateful for. Um, it gets my day started. And when you can get your momentum going of your day, that's when you can really get your, those small aggregate gains that we we're talking about. Yeah. And what have you learned as a nutritionist, Trevor? You've got your certification recently in, as a nutritional, a nutritionist, pardon me. What have you learned in terms of absorbing that education. So we've talked about the physical element, which is spectacular, by the way, you've given me something to shoot for now in terms of 15 perfect push-ups out of bed every day. That's awesome. But from the nutritional element, we've, we've heard this phrase often, uh, garbage in garbage out, right? What you, mm -hmm. the fuel you put into your body is what you're going to yield in terms of your, your physical output. What have you learned as a nutritionist that's making a difference in you right now? Yeah, just uh, the, and just to kind of, just so I don't, 
I'm not like talking, uh, I guess, words that don't mean anything. Macronutrients are proteins, carbs, and fats. And then micronutrients are vitamins and minerals and standard stuff for nutrition stuff. But I've learned that you could, you've got to get your proper macronutrients and your proper micronutrients. So if you're getting your proper amounts of first and foremost, your proteins and carbs, or I'm sorry, your proteins and fats, and then filling in the rest of your calories that you're intaking for the day with carbs, you need those protein because that's what your muscles are, are built from. Yep. And your brain can still draw from proteins and fats, but proteins and fats are, or fats are going to be what helps transport those fat soluble vitamins. And when you get carbohydrates, that's, what's going to be able to have your fuel. So you want to have the proper amounts of macronutrients and then make sure you're getting your micronutrients so you can boost your immune system. You can feel yes. more alert. You can have better sleep and uh, being able to regulate those things is really crucial with nutrient timing, such as, you know, getting 20 to 30 grams of protein in like every two to three hour block of the day, depending on what your goals are and trying to make sure that you maintain that and stay steadfast, just like you said, being consistent. And then obviously getting the proper amounts of, of sunlight. Um, and if you can't, then you got to be able to supplement with vitamin D because that's how vitamin D actually gets into your system is right. the sunlight comes in and then gets the fats that you've, you know, taken in, in your body and then, and then makes it into vitamin D. That's how vitamin D is comes from the sun. And so having those sorts of things happen and having, like I said, the proper nutrient timing is really the key things. And then mm. uh, like I've, we've had discussions about is you said garbage in garbage out, all your weight that you're trying to maintain or gain or lose is about energy in energy out or calories yeah. in calories out. Nutrition 101 with Trevor Harris, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And I truly hope that some young athlete listening out there, hey, that some any age athlete out there is listening to this and takes these words of counsel to heart because they can make uh, an, a significant and an eternal difference in terms of how you carry your body. Listen, <clears throat> Trevor, while you were talking about your morning routine, something caught my ear, and this wasn't part of my script, but I need to ask you. You list off every day five things you're thankful for, five things you're grateful for. Today, the day of this recording, we're not sure when it's going to get aired exactly, but today is the 28th of May, 2021. What are you, what are you grateful for today? Give me two or three things. You know, I was sitting on my front porch this morning, uh, and I could hear the birds chirping. And mm. I was thankful for the birds chirping and just the sound of nature. Um, mm. I was thankful. I, I'm thankful that I have two healthy boys, that I have mm. a wife that I always dreamed of having, that I have a roof over my head, that I have a car, that I have a toothbrush, you know, and um, that I have parents that are still here today, you know, mm. through my mom beating cancer and, you know, the uh, motorcycle accident. And um, you just you just never know when you're going to lose those blessings. And I think the best thing, if you ever want to really know what you're grateful for, set a timer on your phone for three minutes and say anything that you don't list that you're grateful for, you lose tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Try mm -hmm. that out and you'll find out. And if you're really like, I don't know what I'm grateful for, set a timer. So how about running water? Pretty great. Yeah. You better list that. You're grateful for a refrigerator, food in your fridge. How about friends, communication? I mean, my eyes, my ears, my senses. I mean, the list is endless. If you ever really want to know what you're grateful for, try that out. Three-minute timer, put it on your phone or what have you, and list down the things. 
that you are grateful for. And anything that's not on that list, you better reanalyze. That is something or special. Lose tomorrow, it's really good perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I think the underlying message of everything you just shared there in that list is not taking anything for granted. It is mm-hmm. truly being appreciative of all the blessings that we have, that we, some of them are so routine day after day after day. And sometimes for year after year after year, we do not think of them as special gifts, but they truly are. For example, running water for those of us that live you know, here in North America. Thank you yeah. for the reminder and thank you for the encouragement. For this next one, Trevor, it might be something you already knew that's been reinforced or perhaps a new revelation altogether. In the last year, in the last calendar year, what's the most profound truth about the Lord that you've learned? Mm, I love this question. Um, you know, it's, it's that uh, you, when do you learn the most? You learn the most when you listen, right? Or when you, you're reading. And um, I think the thing that I've learned the most is when I pray, why do I do all the talking? Woo! If you can't say amen, just why say I, I mean, why don't, I, why don't I just sit there for, for the first minute and just breathe and just try and listen? Mm. And I think that kind of when I was listening to a, a sermon one time and that point was touched on, I was like, man, why, why do I, pr- when I'm praying, why do I do all the talking? I'm talking to the, the creator of the world and I think I should be the one talking this whole time. Mm. And I think, I mean, I don't even know if I need to say anything else aside from that. I mean, that's just like when, when I kind of came to that realization, I was like, I'm going to start my prayer life. Every time I start my prayer, I'm going to just, I'm going to just sit there and just be like, I'm in the presence of literally the creator of the world. Are you kidding me? I have a direct line to him and I'm just going to sit there and talk his ear off and be like, okay, see you God. I'll pray again later. I have a chance to just breathe and maybe listen to the spirit. Why not? You know? Wow. Any relationship thrives on the consistent balance of both communicate of communication in terms of giving and receiving. So why do we presume so wrongly that we can do all the talking and God has to do all the listening? It needs to be reciprocal. And that's a great reminder. And that's a great truth that's been, I think, learned and reinforced in, in your life over this past year. And I certainly appreciate that perspective. In closing, Trevor, um, talk to us a little bit about what you're involved in right now, any grassroots initiatives you'd like people to know about, and also how people can follow you on social media. Are you on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, what have you? Tell us how they can tag you, follow you, and anything that you're excited about right now that you'd like people to know about. Um, so if you want to follow me on social media, I don't really ever sign on Facebook, but I, I have it, but uh, not a great way. I don't have Twitter. Um, I have Instagram and, uh, my name is Trevor Harris seven. Uh, and so if you'd like to do that, go ahead and follow me or reach out. Uh, I'd love to, to uh, communicate with people and share my life, but I don't really share a bunch on there, but, uh, uh, it's things I'm, things I'm into right now is, uh, when, when we get back to, to Canada, we've got a few things that we're into and, uh, talking with Chappie uh, about the things that we want to do in Edmonton. Hopefully we're able to do them with the, the pandemic, but my wife and I are starting something this year with uh, Edmonton, uh, which is going to be the 300 for 300. 
Uh, anytime that uh, we throw for 300 yards, we're going to donate $300 to uh, the Children's Hospital um, All right. there in uh, then Edmonton. And um, what my plan is, is we're going to try and reach out to businesses that want to match the $300 hmm. for when we do throw for 300 yards and be able to donate, to the, donate that to the salary there in Edmonton to help the childhood uh, people, you know, the ch children with cancer and be able to spend some more time with them and uh, you know, so there's just been a few things we're doing with that. But uh, aside from that, we're just trying to go around and speak to kids and spread the word and spread love and, uh, you know, try and preach the gospel, but use words when necessary. Absolutely. So we have people listening to this podcast all over North America and hopefully the world. For those of you who are in Alberta or Edmonton in particular, and if you're interested in becoming involved with the 300 for 300 initiative, once CFL play resumes, make sure you either hit Trevor up on Instagram or reach out to the Edmonton football team so you could potentially even get yourself and your business involved ahead of time before the season actually begins. Trevor, this time has been such a gift today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. And uh, actually, one question for you, Herb, uh, just the same question you had for me was last year, what have you felt the most important thing that you've heard from God? Wow, the interviewee turns it back and becomes the interviewer. The most important thing I have, most profound truth that I've learned about God in the past year has been about rhythm. Rhythm. Having rhythm in your life, not allowing yourself to get too low when things aren't going well and not allowing yourself to get to over the moon when things are going extremely well to have a, a healthy balance, a healthy rhythm of which Christ is the conductor. Christ is the choir director. Christ is the anchor. And when you know that and you look to him, you are able to have a consistent rhythm that never gets knocked off of its trajectory, no matter what life throws at you. And over the past several months, that has happened to me uh, with great intensity uh, in terms of taking things for granted and losing something precious to me and having that rhythm and having the support of community throughout this season has been a fantastic truth that I knew about, but has been reinforced in a huge and significant way. And for that, I'm so grateful to God, to his Holy Spirit for his encouragement and also to the community of people who have helped to support my family and I over this past year of the pandemic, and in particular, the past month or so going through some personal trials. So mm -hmm. thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. No, no problem. Given too much wisdom through the years for me to not ask. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Folks, you've been listening to the Total Athlete Podcast presented by Athletes in Action. For more information on how you can learn about developing the total athlete in Canada, visit athletesinaction.ca and in the United States, visit athletesinaction.org.